Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you and we thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now all of the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So the word lost, L-O-S-T, can have a lot of different meanings. Whether your favorite team lost this weekend or you got lost on the way to church, lost can mean a lot of things depending on what you have lost. I want you to imagine for a minute a family sitting around a table uh, during the holiday season. They're sitting around a table doing a puzzle together. There's a mother and a father and a, a daughter and a son home from college. The daughter loves to do puzzles. She always has, and she's really the best in the family at it. She starts putting those edge pieces around it together so she has a big rectangle that all the other pieces can fit in. She's found nearly all of them, all except one. She scrambled all throughout the box looking at all the pieces, trying to find that one, but she just can't find it. That puzzle piece is lost. She looks across at her father, who's sitting on the other side of the table. He used to love doing puzzles too, but now for some reason he's just not good at them anymore. He's noticed that as the years have gone on, his eyes have gotten tired. And not just his eyes, but his mind has gotten tired too. He can't just put the puzzle pieces together the way he used to. He feels helpless. He feels lost. And then there's the older brother, who's come home from college. He's sitting right next to his sister, his sister who used to be his best friend, but now for some reason that he's moved away, he's made other friends, and they are not as close as they used to be. They used to talk all the time, now they never talk. That best friend that he had is no longer there. Something has been lost. Or the mother, sitting at the head of the table, she's trying her best to work on that puzzle too, but while she's sitting there, her mind is really on the empty chair at the table. She's thinking about Grandpa, who used to sit there during the holidays and, and work on those puzzles with them. Grandpa, who loved puzzles. Grandpa, who loved the holidays. Grandpa, who loved sitting around that table and eating. She 
can only think about the person in her life who she misses the most. She can only think about the person who she has lost. The word lost means so much to us, but when we have lost something so dear, it can be the most helpless, the most hopeless word in the English language, whether we've lost a puzzle piece or we've lost a neighbor or we've lost a friend or we've lost a loved one, whether we've lost a job or lost a battle, no matter what we've lost, there's some sort of finality to that word. It's not missing, it's lost. Well, the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke could be called the lost chapter, not because it's missing, but because the parables that we read about in the 15th chapter of Luke are all about something that is lost. In fact, you might look in your Bible and you'll see that it, under every parable, there's a, a title that says something like the lost sheep, the lost coin, or the lost son, or the prodigal son. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at each of these parables one by one, and we're going to follow the pattern that each of these parables follow, because they all follow the same pattern. Something is lost, something is found, and there's a celebration. But this week, we're focusing on what's been lost. What does it mean to be the lost sheep, and who is the lost sheep in our world now, the story of the lost sheep, the, really all of these parables together, are, are prompted. Jesus tells these stories because the Pharisees and the scribes are whining. It says they're murmuring or they're grumbling. It really means they're whining. They're whining because Jesus has been spending his time with tax collectors, excuse me, tax collectors and sinners. And those are the people that the Pharisees have already told they should be banned, they shouldn't be around us, they shouldn't come to our synagogues, they should get lost. We're tired of these people not following the law, we're tired of these people doing all the wrong things, and Jesus should not be spending time with these people who are lost, especially not sitting down at a table with them. And so Jesus shares this parable in response to the Pharisees whining. He says, just imagine yourself. Imagine if you were a shepherd. You had a hundred sheep and then one of those little shepherd, one of those little sheep was lost. Wouldn't you not leave the 99 behind and go find that one sheep? Wouldn't you leave the 99 and go find that sheep wherever it is and bring it back home? Wouldn't you do that? Well, Jesus doesn't wait around for the answer. It's probably a good thing he doesn't, because if the Pharisees are anything like me, I think the answer would be no. In our utilitarian world, if, if I had 99 sheep and I had one that was lost, I would stick with the 99. I would not want to waste my time and my energy on one little lost sheep when I had the whole flock that I still had to care for. So that Jesus, whether he intends to or not, he puts the Pharisees in the role of the shepherd and puts the tax collectors and the sinners in the role of the lost sheep. And there's no way that the Pharisees would go searching for lost sheep like the tax collectors and the sinners. 
Now, sinners in the day of Jesus were defined in five different ways, at least according to Barbara Brown Taylor. She says there were five different types of sinners at this time. She said, of course, there were the people who really did do the wrong things, the liars, the cheaters, and the the thieves, things like that. There were also people who tried to do the right thing but could never reach the high standards of the Pharisees. Then she said there were also people who did more jobs that were thought to be unclean, like working with pigs or maybe working with sheep. And so because of that, they were thought to be sinners as well. Then there were, of course, the Samaritans, the great rival of the Jews. And then there were the Gentiles, which basically includes most of us in this room. Those five people were considered sinners by the Pharisees. Everything from the the worst of the worst to just the people who don't fit in. And like those Pharisees, I tend to think that sometimes it's nice if those people do get lost every now and then. Not just the people who threaten us, the people who are are dangerous to us, but even those people who just don't fit in. Even in a church, a church like ours, those people that try our patience, those people that believe things differently than we do, those people that push our buttons, wouldn't it be nice if they just got lost every now and then? Maybe we've thought of that every now and then. That happened to me years ago. I had to tell a couple of church members to get lost. I was working at my church in Charlotte. I was an associate pastor there, and we had two wonderful people, little lost sheep, who came to our church. It was actually a man named Jim and his wife, Kathy. Jim actually had been a a Presbyterian minister. He was a Presbyterian minister, but for some reason he lost his church. He never told me why. They were in Charlotte looking for a place to stay. They had an apartment that was going to be coming open in a couple of days, and he said, you know, Brad, if we just had a place to stay for a couple of nights, that would help us get through. And me, with my compassionate heart, I said, sure, I don't have any money to give you, but why don't you just stay in our youth rooms here at the church? If it's just two nights, you can stay there, and then your apartment will be ready. I thought we had everything clear, everything worked out. They were going to come and roll their sleeping bags out on the couches and sleep there for two nights. What they did instead was unpack all of their clothes and their furniture and their two cats in our youth rooms. I realized very quickly I had got in in over my head. I talked to my senior pastor and he said, Brad, I know you hate to do this, but we have to tell them, get lost. That's what happens when we have people in our lives who challenge us, who push us, who push the limits of our grace, to push the limits of our ability to be the good shepherd. We finally, our patience runs out. And no matter how good of people we want to be, there's a part of us that's, I'd rather stick with the 99, leave that little one sheep, that lost sheep behind. Of course, I have to believe that Jesus never intended for those Pharisees to think of themselves as the good shepherd. And you can see why right at the end of the passage. There's a little passage there, a little uh, sentence right at the end where it's pretty clear Jesus doesn't think the Pharisees are the good shepherd. He says something at the end along the lines of, you know, heaven will rejoice more over one sinner who repents and believes than 99 people who don't believe they have to repent at all. Well, a good Pharisee will tell you we all have to repent. 
A good Presbyterian would tell you that as well. And so that means that the Pharisees and the Presbyterians are not the good shepherd in the story. The Pharisees and the Presbyterians are the lost sheep too. And that changes everything. Now that we're the lost sheep, we want that good shepherd to do whatever is necessary to come and find us and bring us home. Now that we're the lost sheep, we want that good shepherd to do whatever that shepherd can do in in God's power, even if it means leaving others behind to come and find us and take care of us and give us that amazing, amazing grace. The problem is, is that we don't realize how much God has done for us to give us that amazing grace until we realize we're the lost sheep. That certainly was the case for John Newton. We're going to sing that famous hymn that John Newton wrote just in just a few minutes. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I wish I could tell you that John Newton was a really good shepherd his whole life, but he was not. He was a lost sheep most of his life. He, his mother died when he was young. He was rebellious and angry. He didn't want to go to school. His father tried to put him in the Navy, and he rebelled against all the people around him. He ended up working on a slave ship, and you would think that might soften his heart. That didn't soften his heart. He became a, a slave trader himself. It was finally later in life where he started reading the Bible and realizing that God was calling him to a new way of life. He became a minister eventually, and one day he was reading about King David in the Bible. King David, who was a shepherd, but also a lost sheep, if you read that story, and he realized that this King David needed grace as much as anyone. And so he wrote the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. But it was finally at the end of his days where he realized that song was not about King David at all. It was about him. All of his life where he had wandered and tried to stay away, all the ways that he had rebelled and all the times that he was a lost sheep, and God continued to pursue him day after day after day so that one day he would not be lost but he would be found. One day he would experience, finally, that amazing grace. Each and every one of us are lost sheep. Each and every one of us need that amazing grace. But here's the thing about amazing grace. If we're going to claim that grace for ourselves, then we have to claim it for those other lost sheep in the world too. It's not just about us, but it's about that 99 that are still waiting back in the wilderness for the shepherd to come home. That amazing grace is not just ours, but it's for all the lost sheep who we've long since kicked out of the church, for all those people who push our buttons, for all those people who drive us crazy. That amazing grace is not just for us, but it's for the entire flock. And maybe that's what the good shepherd intends. Maybe that's why the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one little sheep. It's not just for the sake of the sheep, but it's for the sake of the flock. I think I told you all this story years ago. I 
had the opportunity when I was younger to go to St. Petersburg, Russia. I had two cousins who were missionaries over there. and We traveled around. I got to see some of the work that they did in orphanages over there and also got to visit some Russian Orthodox churches, big, beautiful churches over there and got to see a lot of the artwork and the icons that were throughout the building. And most of them, I needed the translator to come and tell me what the icons were, but there were one or two that I recognized. In fact, I was walking with my cousin, and we saw one in one church, and it was very clearly the parable of the lost sheep. This, this shepherd had a sheep in his hand, and back in the background, there was a whole flock of sheep, and I nudged my cousin and said, there it is, that's the parable of the lost sheep. She doesn't have, even have to translate it for me. But translate it, she did. She walked up and looked at the the caption underneath it, and said, the parable of the incomplete flock. Never heard it called the parable of the incomplete flock. I thought it was the parable of the lost sheep. It's all about this one sheep, right? It's all about this little guy who's found his way off into the wilderness. No, it's a parable about this flock, this flock who is incomplete without the one that is lost. That's what the Good Shepherd intends with this entire flock. It's not just about the one, but it's about the community. It's not just about the one that is lost, but the community that is lost when we despise and reject the one. And we do that. Oh, we do that. There are plenty of times when we are coping with the lostness of the world where it's easy for us to say, well, that's us, but not them. Or it's them, but not us. An earthquake happens in Morocco on the other side of the world, and we say, oh, I'm so glad that was not us. Or a hurricane skims by, and we think, oh, I'm so glad it didn't hit us. Or some child dies on the other side of town, and we say, oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen in my neighborhood. I'm so glad that wasn't us. But Jesus Christ says, the flock is incomplete when you think of it as us and them. We're all lost sheep. We all need a good shepherd. And that's what the good shepherd is trying to do. Gather us up one by one. Not leave a single one behind. Gather us up so that we can be the flock together. So that we can experience that amazing grace as God intended. As we can be that family of faith as God has called us to be. Flashback to that table I was telling you about. That family sitting around that table, they're doing that puzzle. Finally, that daughter gets so frustrated. She says, I've, I've lost a puzzle piece. I don't know where it is. And father says, well, if I had my glasses, I could help you find it. Mother reaches in her purse and pulls out some glasses and hands them to father. And he puts the glasses on and dives under the table. And sure enough, he sees the little puzzle piece there hidden in the pattern on the carpet. He pops up from the table and brother says, Dad, you look like Grandpa. He realizes those glasses that have been in his wife's purse for so long were Grandpa's glasses. And in that moment, they look at each other and realize all of them have been sitting around this table lost. And they realize what that table was for. To bring them back together as family. That's what this table's for too. We're called here not because we're good shepherds. We're called here because we're lost 
sheep. This table draws us in from wherever we are, not because we've earned it, but because we need it. This table gives the lost sheep grace. It turns us from lost to found. And we're going to talk about that next week. To the glory of God. Amen.